0: One, two,
1: three, cuatro Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. A while back we interviewed the author Donnie Walton about her great rock and roll novel, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev. That was a
0: fantastic conversation, but we had to cut some stuff out to fit it into the main show. So today, we're bringing you some of the extras, including Donnie's takes on Kim
1: Gordon and David Bowie. If you've had the chance to read Opal and Nev, why don't you start a conversation in our Facebook group about it? Or keep listening and discuss this conversation with other listeners.
0: So you're part of a vibrant, uh, artistic community. Uh, has this happened yet or how long do you think it's going to be until it does that somebody starts recording what they think these songs that you write about so no. vibrantly?
2: No, not yet. I am, I am dying for that. I would love it. I would love it. You know, I've had enough fun putting together, you know, playlists of artists who I felt like inspired these characters, but also artists that I think would have been influenced by them. And that's been been great fun. So, you know, I'm not a musician, but I would love somebody to to put together.
0: But you are a very good music critic. That is uh, clear. Thank you. So let's play Music Critic. Uh, you know, we, we do the Desert Island jukebox thing. Uh, that's one question I want to... I just... I want to pick your brain about what you're loving, what you're listening to. Uh, so, so, you know, it, not to define you for all time, but on this day and time, if you had only one album to bring uh, oh. to the Desert Island, what would it be, Donnie?
2: Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm sort of been stuck in the era of the 70s for the past few years. Like, I haven't listened to... Um, a lot of new stuff in a while, but I mean, I've always loved Sonic Youth. I love the Kims. I love Kim Deal and Kim Gordon, uh, Pixies um, and Sonic Youth. Um, I love um, Sly and the Family Stone. You know, uh, Everyday People has a big part in this novel. So I I love that a lot. Um, Gosh.
1: Tell me about Kim Gordon. I'm curious about your... Feelings about her and what what she represents in your life.
2: You know, I I have never met her. I always wish that I had because she's just very cool, and I've never heard a voice like hers. You know, and I was actually thinking about her voice a lot when I was sort of moments where I was writing about um, Opal and that very particular kind of growl and rasp that she has. That I think. She uses like an instrument on certain songs, and I just think she's like amazing. I love that she's still making music, Um, she's fantastic.
0: The cultural appropriation of somebody like David Byrne and David Bowie, right? You're clearly mm. a fan of both, yet, yes. you know, I remember a really controversial piece. The, the one disappointment I had in your book, besides not being able to listen to Opal and Nev, is that Lester Banks never comes up,
2: mm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they,
0: you got almost Every rock critic cliche <laughs> that you turn inside out and it doesn't become a cliche, it just becomes true. Uh, and I was, there's a really controversial piece Lester wrote about Bowie circa Thin White Duke, mm. and um, and the racism of that. And of course, years later in the punk scene, he wrote a piece called uh, uh, "White Noise Supremacy," questioning mm. why Ivan Julian was the only black face you saw at CBGB, right? Um, And I wonder that, 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 you know, you're talking lovingly of Bowie and and of Byrne, but doesn't it tick you off a little bit that they took the Black Sounds and made all the money Hmm. while Opal wouldn't have been able to have a career?
2: Hmm. I will say about Bowie, though, I do feel like he always made space for us. I mean, I Hmm. think about... um... And this is actually this is this is recounted in Black Diamond Queens how he basically and this is an outrage he basically had to convince a label to sign Tina Turner solo <laughs> Tina Turner was really kind of like you know when she split from Ike she had trouble which is like <laughs> incredible she had trouble like getting a new deal you know and she was in Vegas doing her show uh, and I think David Bowie brought, you know, label executives with him to the show, you know, because he'd heard she was outrageously having these issues. And he helped her get signed. And then I think about, you know, the personnel on some of his albums. Um, you know, on Young Americans, you have Luther Vandross singing back up. Oh, nice. she wants a young American.
1: And yeah. Luther was forever grateful for that. I yes. I've interviewed I Lu- interviewed Luther a number of times, and he really David picked me out and elevated yes. my career. I would not have had the career I had had Bowie not recognized that about our sound and music. So he's always I thought I was always given back.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Carlos Alomar, you know, people like that in the band that were key. You know, yeah, those, you know. and
2: and better than that, you know, there's there's a clip that resurfaces of Bowie every few years doing um, an interview with an MTV VJ. And he's really challenging that VJ yeah. about why they're not playing black artists. Yeah. There's a, a one black station on uh, television that I keep picking up. I'm not sure which station it's on. But there's a, there seem to be a lot of black artists making very good videos that I'm surprised aren't used on MTV. He's really, really sort of advocating... Um, for those artists who he says and who he gives credit for being influential to him. And then, of course, you have the behind the scenes folks, Niall Rogers, who he yeah. worked with. Um, so, you know, I will say that about about Bowie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always appreciate that about him.
1: I uh, related to that. I, I, I'm, I'm curious about, OK, there's going to be a movie of this book. I'm convinced of that.
2: Uh, from your from your lips to God's ears.
1: <laughs> Maybe uh, a Bowie like figure plays Nev. Who plays Opal?
2: Oh gosh, oh I I don't I don't know. I don't even want to go down that road. It's too big of a tree. <laughs> but I think it's an exciting possibility because you know I see. Because there's two different timelines in the story, you know? There'd be a young version and an older version, and I think that's really cool, you know? Um, so it's it would be a dream. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what does what Donnie Walton do next? Are you going to write another music book? Are you going to write more about music? What What do you want to do?
2: I'm playing around with a few ideas. Um you know, I don't know if it it would probably be in a more traditional pro style or whatever I, I do. Um, we well, wouldn't maybe... want to be typecast into this, <laughs> you know. Although it was great fun, it was great fun. It was also very challenging. Um, you know, I do like I do write a lot about pop culture. You know, this was my music book, but I could see you know writing something about. Um, um, imagery in Hollywood and television that kind of thing. I'm playing, I'm playing with a few ideas. I'm also just thinking, I want to tell, you know, a simple story about, you know, maybe a mother and daughter, you know, I'm thinking about, um, uh, the journalist character in the book and sort of riffing mm-hmm. on her life and her coming of age. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, exciting stuff. Uh, the final revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton is a hell of a novel and, uh, It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Donnie. Thanks so much.
2: My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's it for this bonus podcast. And Greg,
0: I sure hope when this is turned into a movie, Donnie considers letting me and you have a cameo (laughs) as the token other rock critics. To support the show, join our Patreon community or buy some merch at soundopinions.org. Thanks for listening.